0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks, where we talk to people who broke free of the corporate world's shackles to start their own business. I'm your host, Neil Thompson, official corporate shackle breaker. Today's guest is Joe Page. Joe is a marketing dynamo at over 320,000 members. Joe is the creator of the Medical Devices Group on LinkedIn and the founder of Medical Marcom, his medical device consulting firm. He also started the 10X Medical Device Conference a few years ago as a networking opportunity for medical devices group members. A former employee who went into business for himself, I'm curious to find out about his transition to entrepreneurship, his passion for medical device marketing, and his plans for the future. Let's bring him in now. Hello, Joe. Welcome to Neil Townsend speech.
0: I'm delighted to be here. Hi, Neil.
1: Right, great. Uh, again, thanks. Thanks for for calling in. First question: As a child, what did you want to be when you grow up?
0: Oh, uh, well, as a child in the 70s, uh, the the thing to be was uh, being a doctor. I was heavily influenced by my uh, accomplishment-driven parents, and uh, they wanted me to be everything I could be. And at the time, that meant being a doctor. So that, I guess, was my first aspiration.
1: Oh, you say that as a child of the seventies—that's what you—that's what your parents wanted you to be. I can tell you that as a child of the, I guess, the late eighties, early nineties, my parents wanted me to be a doctor as well. I guess it didn't work out for either of us. Did it? Yeah. yeah okay. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure a lot of I'm sure a lot of parents have that those aspirations aspiration for their kids, and only some only some kids actually fulfill them. <laughs> but we're not all doctors, right? That's right.
0: That's right. So, Good thing too. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: indeed, <laughs> it to be uh, oversupplied. So, eventually, well, obviously, you didn't become a doctor. As I said in my intro, you work in in marketing. I'm curious as to what your first job out of school was, out of college.
0: My first job out of college was in banking, commercial banking. I was a financial associate with Marine Midland Bank, which shortly after I got there was swallowed by uh, Hong Kong Shanghai Bank. And... uh, this was a program that they had designed to attract um, solid college-level uh, bachelor of science talent. Uh, they had had a program for MBAs, uh, but they found that the defection rate after the program was over was too high. So they thought, if we start them a little younger, we may be able to get them to uh, stick around. Alas. I don't think that worked for them. I left after two years and uh, went to pursue my MBA, actually. Um,
1: Imagine that.
0: (laughs) Imagine that. Do you think
1: the problem there was the the MBA students wanted more money than they were willing to pay?
0: You know, I don't know. I mean, enough years have passed, and I don't suspect that my former bosses are listening. I took the Marie Midland bank job because I didn't get the investment banking job, and it was as close as I could get. It certainly wasn't nearly as glamorous as uh, my friends on the other side of Wall Street.
1: (laughs) Imagine that. It wasn't even the first year. (laughs) Right. That's funny. So so you started off in in banking, so I'm guessing there's there's some time between going from banking to going to medical device marketing. What did you do in between?
0: So I got my uh my m b a in nineteen ninety two and uh actually halfway through I was still pursuing the investment banking route and discovered that uh my motives were not properly aligned with a career in it um, it was You know, my perception of what it meant to be an investment banker is being, you know, the top and the best and the best paid, and there was a glamour to it. But I realized as I met scores and scores of investment bankers um, that I wasn't enjoying the interviews, um, almost as though, uh, well, back then, anyhow, that the way to interview a candidate was to almost to do so by intimidation and see how bad they really wanted it. And, uh, I thought if I'm going to work 14 hours a day, these probably aren't the people with whom I'd like to hang out for 14 hours a day. And so, um, that and the fact that I didn't get a, an offer. So that had something to do with it. So um, (laughs) (laughs)
1: in,
0: in second, uh, my second year, I took a class in marketing strategy and absolutely loved it and said, you know what, this is something I could do. So my first job out of business school was in a direct marketing outfit that did something like the Book of the Month Club. After that, I worked five years at Kraft Foods. I worked on Post Cereal, Lenders Bagels, Jell-O, Kool-Aid, and new product development. I uh, left there to uh, join the Internet craze and went to 1-800-Flowers.com. There was a time there that I did some other internet things not worth mentioning. And uh, then uh, I took a job with uh, a Campbell Soup division uh, out on the West Coast where I presently reside, and it was their fast-growing, fresh refrigerated soup product, and I've been out here since. I've done marketing for uh, Safeco Insurance since then, and then to Cardiac Science, makers of automated external defibrillators, ECG machines, cardiac stress testing systems, and the like. And I really have to credit my boss there for giving me that chance. Um, Medical devices, like many industries, look for similar relevant experience, and I had none in life sciences, but uh, my approach was that life sciences are largely behind the times with online marketing, and I think that's still true, although to a lesser degree, and that just because we are saving lives doesn't mean we need to be boring, antiseptic, and overly technical in our communications, and that the lessons I've learned at consumer brands uh, can be applied in business-to-business because the people on the other side of the transaction are people. They may be doctor people, they may be engineering people, but they still have emotions and still react to appropriate stimuli and want to achieve things that everyone wants to achieve. So if you, you, you're allowed to talk to them like human beings and not like purchasers and engineers and this is all the technical stuff. You can cure cancer and still show a picture of the company picnic that we have fun here too and um, he took a chance with me, and uh, it worked out very well. I was uh, able to rebrand the company and rewrite everything and create a new website, and uh, it worked out well enough so that when it was time to uh, leave that company, I knew that was a place I could stay, and that's what I do on my own now.
1: You know what? Something that you just said, kind of really, really resonated with me is that you, you felt like your, your your boss at at Cardiac Science took a chance on you because you didn't have medical device experience. I I firmly believe that a lot of companies, just like you said, they look for people with that similar background to take on those kind of jobs. But frankly, if you are the type of person that's a go-getter, that always wants to try different, you know, that's that always trying to push the envelope, essentially, you know, a, a, a grade A employee, You want change. And if if you're the type of person that wants change, you don't want to be doing the same type of stuff over and over again, just moving from one medical device company to another. And so I think your boss or your former boss had a lot of foresight in in giving you that opportunity and not holding it against you that you didn't have medical device experience. I wish a lot of more hiring managers had that type of of mentality.
0: It can be tough as as a hiring manager. I can completely relate to it. And, uh, Yes, that's why I recognize that, uh, that I was given a gift with that opportunity, and frankly, it worked out very well for both of us.
1: Okay, so eventually you leave cardiac science and you start your own business. Is that right?
0: Well, uh, I will say that necessity is the mother of invention. It's not as though I said, you know what? I'm getting rid of these corporate shackles, to borrow your introduction, um, and going to go out and start on my own. No, the company was acquired by an Indian concern, and uh, eventually everyone in my office was either laid off or told to move to Wisconsin, and uh, when I was, you know, I had a few months of stick around because we're going to need your help to transition and things like that, I was considering what my next move was and thought, For me to replace the level of salary that I presently have, um, chances are I would either have to A, move, or B, um, have a really long commute. And uh, my kids were still very young, and I thought, I'm not really looking forward to either of those options. And at my wife's urging... He said, why don't you become a consultant? And I said, ah, I don't know about that. Because back in in my mind, consulting was a job that you got out of business school and went and worked for Bain or something like that, McKinsey. You'd be in a big building and you'd do you know five-month-long projects. You'd deliver the project to the client and they would accept it or reject it and you'd go on to the next thing. And that really didn't have any appeal to me. But when I realized that the scope of consulting could be as simple as, hey, Joe, can I give you a call when I have a question? That was much closer to my personal style. So I gave it a try. I said, you know what, I'm in this period now where I could try it, and if it doesn't work, I can always try to go back to the workforce. And that was more than five years ago, and we still have house and home, so uh, it's worked out okay, and now I can't imagine... Going back to uh, having a boss, I yeah, should you count my so. wife. I totally have to report <laughs> to her.
1: Right, right. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can can relate to that story. You know, they become self-employed more out of necessity than really any sort of a desire. But eventually, mm-hmm. I mean, you did make that jump. I mean, you did decide I'm not going to look for another job. I'm going to you know keep on doing this, uh, being you know self-employed. Did you ever mm-hmm. deal with any Fear of not having a, a company backing you as a as, you know as an employer, and if you did, how'd you get past that fear?
0: No, I, I didn't really have that fear. Um, I would say it's fair to say that I was afraid that I might not get the number of clients I'd need to support our lifestyle. And uh, I can also tell your listeners that in my second year, things were not going so well. Um, so much so that we actually had the, um, let's look at the household budget conversation. And you only like start peeling over how much are we spending on this and how much are we spending on that when you are concerned that you're not going to make ends meet. Um, And uh, shortly after that, things just kind of came together. It took about two years of, of runway to get to a place where Uh, I was able to eventually match and eventually uh, exceed what I had been earning in uh, corporate America. That's that's,
1: that's excellent, Joe. So tell me a bit about Medical Marcom.
0: I specialize in marketing, communication, and strategy, lead generation, and website development for medical device and related companies. I also have a vast network through another entity I Uh, lead called the Medical Devices Group, which, uh, as of today, has just shy of 335,000 members worldwide, and that gives me uh, a sphere of influence and opportunity to meet people from all over the world, and that helps me meet future clients and be invited to speak some places, and it gives me a degree of freedom that I quite enjoy.
1: That's excellent. That's excellent. One of the fears that I would call uh, reluctant entrepreneurs have in going to business for themselves is as you, as you noted, having enough clients to support their, your lifestyle you'd mentioned that in the second year of business that you had that talk with your wife about you know household expenses if, you, if you know, for the people that are out there listening i 'm sure they 'd be interested to hear what strategies you used initially and even now to to get clients
0: well i I do think that my my situation is is somewhat unique and and would be difficult for most people to replicate. So with that as a caveat, I, I recognize I I have a, a gift in in some of the things that I have going on for me. Um, the first year was wasn't so stressful because uh, I worked at Cardiac Science for uh, the first three months of the year, and I got uh, it was. Uh, a company in which I had stock. And believe me, the payout wasn't fantastic, but every little bit helps. So between the months I had worked, my severance, my leftover vacation, and a little bit of stock return, uh, I had a healthy head start on the year. And so even though the back half of the year wasn't like raining coins, um, it wasn't such such a bad year. Then um, something happened in December of that year that was rather significant. So I had been uh, friendly with a fellow uh, out of the UK who was leading uh, a group on LinkedIn called the Medical Devices Group, and I was uh, looking to work with him. And we never got really far in our conversation, but in November of 2011, he died suddenly of cardiac arrest. And a month passed, and his wife uh, reached out to me saying, I know you were talking to Chris about the medical devices group. Well, he died a month ago, and now there are 4,000 people looking to get into his group. I neither know how to do it nor do I want to do it. So would you like to continue my husband's work? And uh, I certainly didn't know how to say no to that. And actually was quite honored that she asked me to. So as of December 2011, I became a publisher of a group. Uh, it was 72,800 people at the time, and now it's almost quintupled, uh, quadrupled. No, quintupled, sorry, in size. Anyhow, um, so that first year uh, with me having the group, I recognized that there was something there, but I didn't know what. I didn't know how I would monetize it and something that you wouldn't get in any business school uh, lecture. I just went ahead and built what I thought was right, even though I didn't know how it would work exactly. I knew that if I kept it spam-free and if I created a community... And I made it a place where people could uh, exchange ideas, um, that people would come and something would happen. I didn't know exactly what, but uh, that's what I uh, went toward. And uh, eventually, um, as you mentioned, I created an annual event. Our fifth one will be in May in San Diego. It's called the 10X Medical Device Conference. I enjoyed having you as a guest this last year, Neil, and uh, it is our once-a-year chance to come offline uh, and meet members of the group in person. So that's personally very rewarding for me, and it is a source of income. Another source of income is, uh, from time to time, uh, folks who want to reach out to my audience in exchange for their contact information to generate leads. Uh, will uh, pay me a sponsorship fee, and I will uh, share information about how to get in touch with a given sponsor. Uh, So uh, between the conference and that, and then the third one, uh, which is actually, I think, probably my biggest source of revenue is, uh, by virtue of the fact that I keep in touch with such a large audience, if one quarter millionth of them reach out to me and recognize what i do for a living and say oh you know what i i need help with that could you help um i have the potential for a new client so uh, i guess a a reasonable takeaway for a listener is i've hedged my bets a bit by having multiple revenue streams and there are times when one is all the way down to zero and something else is kind of keeping me afloat in the you know quiet months um What's harder to replicate, of course, is is having an audience as large as mine and, and that kind of incredibly large funnel to have uh, people find me.
1: You know, you, you bring up a really great point, Joe, and that's having multiple revenue streams just so that if one of them isn't doing so well, the other one can drop you up. I tell you, the main reason or the main motivation or thrust that I had for even deciding to go become self-employed was after I met with a, a woman who basically gave me that same advice, try to have as many multiple, as many revenue streams as you can. And so you're never depending on, on one of them to support your lifestyle. And, and once I tried, you know, I sat down and really thought about what those streams could be and then, you know, putting them, you know, into action you know, implementing them, it makes you feel a lot, you know, more, I guess, comfortable, less anxious about being uh, being self employed at
0: least for me I agree
1: So if for the people that are listening if they are currently working at jobs and they want to start their own businesses I'm I'm assuming one of your your pieces of advice would be to have multiple revenue streams or is there any other advice you would have for somebody who wants to start their own business
0: if there's a way that they can um maybe get one of those smaller revenue streams started before they leave their company. That would give them a degree of confidence that uh, this could really work. Um, I would say that just as with any um, business venture, to make sure you understand what need you're filling and specifically what customers would have to stop doing in order to start doing it with you. That is, unless you're creating a brand new category, what would make one of your prospects switch from their present behavior to working with you? And have you really provided enough of a reason for them to do that? So, for example, uh, one of my clients right now is a uh, medical device design and development firm that does manufacturing. So medical device design, development, and contract manufacturing. If you were to Google that, you'd find dozens of firms doing that. And it's very difficult in that space to differentiate yourself. So if you decided, you know, I'm really good at medical device design and development, I'm going to go out and become a consultant on my own, I'd say, who would hire you? And you might say, well people in my network who've worked with me before, I used to be there I bet I could get some work from my former employer and the one before that and then some people have left and gone other places and I would say that's fantastic, that's an excellent start and you may well be able to build a business strictly on word of mouth but if you're going to rely exclusively on the people that you know from the past and they don't have projects right now What's your backup plan? How would you find new prospects? And if the answer is, I don't know, I guess I do some networking or, you know, attend a trade show or something like that, I suggest that uh, your listeners do a bit more um, exploring um, to have a a business plan together so that they can have a, a solid Uh, plan of how to attract those people
1: that's very good advice joe so for your business you know you have the multiple businesses you have 10x medical conference you have medical mark you all the things that you're doing what are your future plans for your businesses
0: Uh, i'm sorry repeat the question
1: what are your future plans for your businesses
0: uh well at the risk of being glib keep on keeping on it's working and uh I'm enjoying it, and uh, you know I get the diversity of, of clients by virtue of you know what what they're working on. So um, I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and uh, I don't uh, I don't have a, an immediate need to pivot into something else.
1: Okay, excellent. Uh, once again, thank you, Joe, for being uh, for being available and being on Neil Thompson speaks. Where can people find you?
0: Uh, You can find me at MedicalMarcom, that's Medical, M-E-D-I-C-A-L, Marcom, M-A-R-C-O-M, that's just one M, MedicalMarcom.com. And from there, you can find uh, the medical devices group and and, uh, more about the conferences and the like. Thank you for this opportunity to be with you today, Neil.
1: Excellent. Thank you again, Joe.
0: My pleasure. Goodbye.
1: Well, everyone, there is the end of Neil Thompson Speaks. Thank you for tuning in. To learn more about me and Neil Thompson Speaks, please visit com. That's N E I L T H O M P S O N S P E A K S.com. You can also check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There are links from my website in addition to a link to this podcast. Until next time, take care.